1: Is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Later in this episode, I'm going to be joined by my friend Griffin Queen. Griffin hosts the List Night podcast and the Give and Go show. Check either of those two out. Give and Go is more basketball-focused, and List Night is just all kinds of pop culture stuff. My personal favorite of the semi-recent episodes was a draft of the original 151, 151 Pokemon? 150 Pokemon? I don't know how literal we're going to get there on the originals, but really entertaining stuff. Uh, so, So check him out. Before we get to that, I just want to reiterate that we are going to do Believe in Wizards Night at a Capital City Go-Go game on December the 9th. Uh, The quality of the guests that the team is willing to line up or procure for us depends solely on the turnout. So this is my sort of uh, shameless plug slash please turn out in force so we get better people involved in this too. And it's a better experience for all of us. I'm going to get cool guests anyway, but this is just what the team tries to do to like strong arm you into getting better turnout or things like that. But This is why like podcasts always ask you for five-star reviews and things like that. If you want any of the behind the scenes, it makes their sort of algorithms in these podcast apps feature shows more heavily if they have more good reviews and that helps your reach. It helps you get more listeners and more listeners helps you get more guests and more guests helps you have a better show and a better show is better product. So help us help you, uh, you know, provide better quality content. Again, go-go game should be a lot of fun. Tickets are $10 for everywhere in the lower bowl. So if you've been to a Mystics game or something before, that's the same arena. It's a really awesome arena. I mean, I, I think if you've never been there, this is worth it just for that. Super easy to get to. Uh, there's a parking lot on site. that's like super well-protected and secure and safe and all those things. So you never have to worry about, uh, you know, leaving your car or any stuff like that. And it's right next to a metro stop that's pretty easy to get in and out of. Again, like direct walk 100 yards from the arena. So they make it super easy convenient and safe and and all that good stuff. If anybody's worried about that kind of thing, Um, you shouldn't need to. So uh, tickets, again, $10, you can get a $40 ticket, which is the SIP series for them. And that gives you unlimited beer and wine throughout the game. And then afterwards, we're going to line up a podcast. Like I said, we'll have some guests, whether the team provides uh, several people for us or not, we'll see what that looks like. But I think coach Mike Williams, who's awesome, if you've never heard him speak, would be a really good get. And then several players on the team have been guests on the show before. So it shouldn't be a problem for me to line those kind of guys up again. So that's the plan. Uh, We'll see how it goes. The training camp roster was just announced for the go-go. So Devon Dotson that played for the summer league team from Kansas had a cup of coffee in the NBA will be there. Chris Dunn, it's probably the marquee name of sort of the new faces. You remember Chris Dunn probably from his time, short time in the NBA thus far. And He's like a defensive guard. Uh, He was on sort of the initial summer league roster and then didn't come after summer league training camp. I don't know what happened there. If he didn't make the summer league roster, which would be a bad sign for someone like him considering our summer league team was terrible. So I don't know what that means. He, maybe he didn't want to like belittle himself, but also going to a G league training camp is also weird and not getting contract outright. So I don't know. It's been a weird career for Chris Dunn, who I thought would be a better NBA player. Honestly, I thought he would be DeLon Wright realistically like that's, That's kind of where I saw him going. So we'll see if he can turn it around here. Again, a veteran presence on the team is never a bad thing. There's no Greg Monroe on the roster this year, which I think actually really hurts. I think you've probably heard me mention him last year if you listen to the show and don't fast forward over the G League segments. But Greg was like the quarterback of the defense for them last year. He was barking stuff out on the court, pointing people, literally pushing his teammates in directions where they should go on switches and in different coverages. He's great. So maybe Dunn can come in and, and kind of do that too and just help these guys learn to be a pro. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Jaime Eschenique is back. Blake Francis, who is a former guest of the podcast here. If you're a local college basketball fan, he went to Richmond. was on a lot of really good Richmond teams. Smaller guard, but he's like a bucket, as the kids may or may not still say. He gets a lot of steals, gets in passing lanes. He's just like fast and will be like a defensive nightmare for people. So Blake's a great dude. We enjoyed him on the show. Go back and find that episode with him kind of pre-draft and and what the process is like for an unheralded sort of prospect or uh, a likely undrafted player. Uh, Jordan Goodwin will be back. He's obviously on the two-way, so we'll see him with the go-go a good amount. Also a multiple-time guest of the podcast, so check out uh, those episodes with Jordan. They just took two players in the G League draft. Nick Hornsby out of Sacramento State. he's their third-round G League draft pick, and... I don't know honestly that much about him. I can find out from other draft nerds who know a little bit more about uh, the sort of less heralded prospects, like guys out of Sacramento state and find out what, you know, his deal really is, but didn't look like much of a college career, like seven points and five rebounds as a six foot seven power forward. It seemed like, so not sure how much they expect him to contribute. Theo John played four years at Marquette and then one year at Duke. Um, so sort of a, a, bruiser banger, six foot nine guy, decent mobility but not a ton of skill or touch away from the basket. So just kind of more of a defensive rebounding presence kind of thing. Quentin Jackson, who everybody loves. So that's encouraging. It should be fun to watch at the G League level. Maker Maker, who went to Howard for like 11 minutes. Uh, Davion Mintz out of Kentucky. If you watch any Kentucky games, he's a fun player. Isaiah Marcus out of Wake Forest, who I know almost nothing about, despite watching a good amount of uh, Wake Forest the last couple of years. So, have to kind of see what his deal really is. Jordan Shackle also on a two-way. Schuller Shuler who was on the team last year, gives you some good energy as a guard. Greg Sword, a great story, kind of late 20s guy at this point in his career, just super defender, It's kind of maybe the less athletic version of like Gary Payton II. He just, I don't know, he's probably the veteran presence for them, honestly. I think he can probably step in and play some minutes as a defensive guard at the NBA level. There's just not enough offense there really for like a six foot four defensive prospect. So. That's a bummer for him. Maybe the three ball comes around and he can be a three and D guy. We'll see. But anyway, those are the kinds of guys you can see on our G league night uh, on the, again, the 9th of December. So check us out, check it out. It should be fun. I think we'll have a really good time. If you've never been, that's great. I think one of the things that's been cool is there's a lot more community around some of these games and team events. You saw the district of collectors folks who we're going to mention again, later on here in the show, get people out for the opening home game. You know, like 40 guys got together and just hung out and watched basketball and had a good time. I think that's what we're trying to do here with our G League night. So should be a good time on a Friday night and a good way to kill some time. So check us out. Uh, Before we get to our conversation with Griffin, as always, we are presented by betonline.ag. Basketball is back and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, with that, let's get to my conversation with Griffin. Okay, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm pleased to be joined here by Griffin Queen, Griffin uh, co-host, multiple hosts, which I, I don't know how you guys manage this, but both the List Night podcast and the Give and Go show, I can barely handle talking to one person, so I don't know how you guys juggle three hosts on one show, man. but I'm always impressed by both podcasts.
0: I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so List Night, you know, two other hosts aside from myself, and sometimes we have a guest host, hopefully right. you'll be joining us, like maybe it. for an NBA-styled list sometime Give and go show, kind of the same thing, two other hosts other than myself. Um, if we were all in person, I think juggling all three of us would be a, a little bit neater, but sure. but doing it over Zoom has has worked fairly well. And uh, I like to think that we're getting better at it every
1: day. That's all you can do, right? I mean, if uh, if the product at the end is, is better than it was at the beginning, I think that's a good call. I, I hope that we're trending in the right direction. Although some days I just don't know if that's the case because maybe the wizards have just bogged me down enough that I can't be <laughs> objective anymore. But I'm going to try. That's my goal sure, of this season sure. is to be as objective as I can.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, as a longtime listener, I would say that you are continuously putting out a, a better product and a product that I enjoy listening to. Um, I was mentioning before we got on this recording that that I've had a bunch of flights recently and I've been listening to a bunch of episodes, even episodes that might not even pertain anymore because they're about like drafts that have already happened. Sure. But, you know, it's always it's always good content.
1: It's nice to uh, go back and listen to some of the draft stuff just to know like how terribly wrong I got everything. Sure, I, I, those are sure. the ones I'm most likely to go back to. Johnny um, Davis, come on up. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that <laughs> plays out. I, I haven't given t- hope, hope totally. Maybe, I don't know. We can get into that here a little bit. I still believe. I still believe. I've got one question I'm going to ask every guest, every new guest to the show every time they come on this season. What current or former NBA player best describes your own basketball game? Oh, my God. Um, Who's the worst player that's ever played for the Wizards?
0: The worst player that's
1: ever played for the Wizards is a very long and competitive list, unfortunately. It it, it
0: absolutely is. Um, I don't know if I would say the person who best describes my basketball game, although in my own head, he best describes my basketball game. But also just because of my own ego, I'd love to say Kelly Oubre. Oh, there you go. I you got some think swag. that I'm a lot better than I am and I definitely like to act like I'm more handsome than I am and more important than I am on the court. I like to let it fly from 3. Uh, I like to put my head down and just put a shoulder into somebody. The legality of that, you know, sometimes up for debate, but um I I appear to be more athletic and more under control than I am when I
1: actually get on the court. That's an unbelievably good answer by the way. Uh Thank I, I, I I'm I'm going to Do like a list, like a best list, best of list at the end of the season here and just see who like, who had the best answers. And that's obviously the first one, but also an early front runner, I think, because I'll take it. uh, Kelly, I think I've maybe shared this on the show. I definitely said it in in our group chat before. I think he's the only person I've ever tried to get on the show that asked for money as compensation to come on the show. Tobias Harris's dad is his agent. And when I reached Mm -hmm. out, he was like, how much money are you going to pay in return for a half an hour on the show? I said, no, I'm good. So, well,
0: you know, in in the same vein as Kelly Uber, I will be sending you a Venmo request. That's exactly
1: go. right. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it's not multiple thousands of dollars. Uh, but you know, we can negotiate a little bit. I will definitely buy sure. you a beer at the Blaggard the next time you're in that team. works perfectly. That's all. That's all I need. All right. That's that's uh that's a no brainer. All right. Let's get into this uh, sort of early Wizard season here a little bit. They're sure. two and one. Could very easily be three and zero. Oh, could also probably very easily be one and two. Maybe zero mm-hmm. oh and three if things had gone a little south in that Pacers game, but. Uh, The most recent game they lost to the Cavaliers on Sunday night, 117 to 107 in overtime, which, to be honest with you, Cavaliers are good, even without Garland. So I'm actually not discouraged by an overtime loss to a team I think will be a good playoff team. So so where were you at with that game?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm on the same page as you. Um, I have the Cavaliers as being one of the top four teams in the East this season. You know, obviously, Darius Garland not playing in that game, but I have really high hopes for Donovan Mitchell. You know, I think Kevin Love has obviously looked... Like he's not necessarily the Kevin Love of old, but, but he's had a return to form Evan Mobley. Uh, the team is honestly stacked top to, bo- top to bottom with a lot of talent. The only problem that I had with that game, I'm okay with the loss because losses are going to happen, particularly against good teams, is all the fight that they showed in that fourth quarter. And then what happened once we got into overtime and just how quickly they fell apart. And I don't the know wheels were, fell they, off real fast. Yeah, yeah it, it was bad. It was night and day. I don't know if they were gassed from the comeback. I don't know if it was the adrenaline of like that last second, let's make it to overtime. But they shot poorly. They turned the ball over a lot. They didn't even hit their free throws. I think they went one of four from the line. Yep. Not great. Um, but that being said, like they, they went neck and neck with the Cavs, and the Cavs are going to be a contender this year. So I can't be that upset about it.
1: Yeah, I mean they they played good for stretches, but like there were also some like really really rough stretches. Maybe the worst they've looked all season. Granted, that's also partly the competition. But (laughs) anytime you can like kind of fuck up that much and still have a like a reasonable chance to win at the end of the game, like I I think that means you're probably like at least a pretty solid team. I would say. Uh, Mentioned a couple of those sort of uh, bumps in the road along the way here. They had 18 turnovers, six missed free throws, three of which came in overtime. And they gave up 16 offensive rebounds. I think the offensive rebounds was like the stat of the game realistically, because they just could not kind of get these second possessions like closed off quick enough.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think I saw that the uh, Cavs offensive rebounds were 16 for them and four, four. for us, three yeah. or four for us. It's tough. If you're getting beat on the board that much and you're giving away that many second chance points, you can outshoot your opponent, you right. can protect the ball, you know, you can do everything right. And there's mm-hmm. still a strong likelihood that you're going to lose the game. Because you just gave them so many opportunities to clean up and get extra points. I mean, Donovan Mitchell shot much less efficiently than Bradley Beal did, but he had more than him and he had a bunch of second chance points because Evan Mobley was jumping in there and crashing the boards and Chatty Osman was jumping in there and crashing the boards. Donovan Mitchell was jumping in there and crashing the boards. I mean, he's a physical monster for his position. and And I mean, there's so much effort involved in those offensive rebounds would have liked to see a little bit more from Kuzma
1: on that side of the the ball but Agreed. you know it happens. It's funny cuz like Kuzma as a wizard has been like historically a pretty good rebounder. Even the game before I think he had 9 or 10 rebounds. So I don't know if that was something the Cavs did that like drew him away from the basket more or who he was matched up with but or they you know intentionally didn't have his matchup like crash and so he didn't or I don't know or more point Kuzma he's releasing early. I, sure, sure. I'd like to to go back and watch that a little bit more to see kind of actually what what caused that. But you mentioned the the free throws there. I think that was obviously something that people talked a lot about on Twitter last night too. I was a little curious that you have a missed free throw by your three best players in, in Brad, KP, and Kuzma, who are pretty good free throw shooters for their posi- uh, like position overall, I'd say, based on the kind of league average. Are those guys just tired at that point. One, the comeback, two, it's sort of the first overtime game. It's early. Their core, their core three guys there are much older. I, I mean, not much older, but they're considerably older, I'd say, than the three core guys for the Cavs in Mitchell, Mobley, and Jared Allen. Like, I think Mitchell and Jared Allen are both twenty-four, and Mobley's twenty-one. You know, Beal's about thirty. KP and Kuzma are, are late twenties. I don't know. Does that factor in at all? Do you think the tiredness leading to the missed free throws is that that not clutch? Are they nervous? Where are we? I don't want to say not clutch. Um, I mean, obviously I've had my concerns
0: about Bradley Beal's quote unquote clutchness, particularly over the past few years. Um, I think being tired is definitely, I don't, I don't want to say an excuse, but like, it's a reason you can give for Beal in particular. I think he played about 43 minutes. He was on the court for the vast majority of both regulation and all of overtime. Um, So, yeah, I can totally understand him being tired and I can understand, particularly if you look at the way that they were playing that first quarter, the way that Porzingis and Kuzma were playing, where they were just out in transition the entire time. And there was a number of opportunities where, you know, honestly, they got out in transition and they were shucking guys off of them and they just weren't able to finish like a layup Mm -hmm. or they weren't whatever pass they completed at the end. Somebody wasn't able to hit their shot. We were up at one point by you know, 10 or 11, and we very easily could have been up by 15 or 20 yep. because of how much we were getting out in transition early in the game. So Porzingis, we've seen him a little bit you know, when he goes to the bench and he just looks beat. There's, I, I think he's still getting his legs under him a little bit. Kuzma, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> sometimes he has it and sometimes he doesn't. And I say this as a guy who's both a Wizards and a Lakers fan. You know, you've you got to live by... Then. Yeah, Yeah, you got to live by Kuzma and you got to die by Kuzma sometimes. Like sometimes he's got it and you're like all star. And sometimes you're like, you might be the sixth best player on this team.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. And for him, it's about finding ways to be impactful, even when he's not making shots and stuff like that. And obviously the rebounding would be one good one uh, to kind of pitch in on, I guess. So Porzingis played a lot of like hard minutes last night, I think. Like he was basically out rebounding a whole team by himself. And Mm -hmm. this is a guy that maybe he's not injured now, but he's been so injured the last couple of years, you wonder how hard he can go from a conditioning standpoint in the off season. He's been minutes capped the last couple of years. So like early in the season, I do wonder if like those kind of hard minutes where Gafford isn't able to give them much off the bench, like really is going to take a toll on Porzingis. And, And honestly, I know they don't plan to minutes restrict him at all early, but I might consider it just because you can't have too many nights like that in a short turnaround for him where he gets no real help off the bench.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm Wes Ansell Jr., I'm not playing him in back-to-backs. I'm probably limiting him, at least for this early going, to being under 30 minutes a game. You know, there's obviously a fine balance that you have to strike between letting a guy play enough to get their legs under him and get ready for the season Mm -hmm. versus, you know, the Thibodeau strategy where you just run him straight into the ground. You would not survive that as a team, for sure. He, he, we would not. We wouldn't survive it. I mean, he, look at, look at Tibbetter's rosters. None of them survive it with That's the exception true. of maybe Jimmy Butler and, yeah. and I guess Taj Gibson, who we do now have on the roster. Nice. Um, Porzingis, you know, for his height, not the most prolific rebounder in the world. He's, right. he's a lot better when you have him in a stretch position because he really can't bang, bang down low with a lot of these guys. I would have much la- rather had him be on the arc for part of the night and let Kuzma be down low and let Gafford be down low. But understandably, you know, they're occupying some of the same spaces. It's difficult to have all those guys on the court at the same time.
1: Need more from Denny and Barton and Rui and and all those guys are sort of underwhelming rebounders, I think, for the most part. Like Denny has some nights where he looks pretty good on boards. But that's I think what they're going to need is like a more of a team approach than just like, here's this one guy that's going to get you 15 on any given night. If Gafford's not going to give you much, you, you got to have the wings crash more.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely agreed on Denny in particular. He has the physical gifts and the aptitude for the ball to be a better rebounder than I think he is so far. Um, I think there's a little bit of like tentativeness to to his game so far, and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to kind of exert himself too much over him. But if Denny is like, I don't need Denny to be a 15-point-per-game score. I really don't. If, if Denny's the kind of guy that can give you 8, 9, 10 points, you know, 7 or 8 boards, 4 or 5 assists, and he can do that on a regular basis while deflecting passes, getting the occasional block, you know, being uh, uh, the defensive player that we know he can be, I'm perfectly happy with him. I mean, like, I'm happy for a guy who can do a little bit of everything and just be a junkyard dog.
1: I would just watch like multiple hours of Kyle Anderson tape. If I were him, sure. like that's always yeah. the guy I think of just like a big yeah. wing forward kind of dude that can do all the stuff you just talked about. Yeah. Uh, this team shot the ball pretty well so far, which is nice to see because we've been like a shitty shooting team the last couple <laughs> of years to put it lightly. Yeah. I mean, that's probably as like politically correct about that. As I can be. <laughs> so uh, 43% from three in last night's game, 25 assists on, on 43 made field goals, which is great. Last year, they shot 34% uh, from three as a team, which is 26th in the league. And that uh, was on about 30 attempts per game, which was 29th overall, which is crazy. And then this year, so far, through three games again, they're at about 39%, which is 10th in the league, on 28 attempts per game. So their attempts are actually down this year, but that's 26th best in the league. So this team is actually shooting less threes than last year, but at a better clip. I think if you're a better three-point shooting team this year, maybe why not take 10 more threes a game or something and, and see how it goes. Like KP, I'd like to see two two or three more attempts from him. Ruby, two or sure. three more attempts. Kuzma, two or three more attempts, something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kuzma and, and really all those guys, you're going to have games where you shoot, you know, 25 to 35% from three. And, you know, maybe it sucks you out of a game, but you're also going to have games where you shoot, you know, five for 10 or, right. or four for eight or four for nine. And that's totally acceptable. I mean, Kuz, his first game of the season, shot, I think three for nine. And then I think he went four for eight. And then last night, maybe two for four or something, three for six, something along those lines. The shot attempt should not be going down if you're Mm -hmm. Kyle Kuzma, because if they're closing out on you, the, the opponents, obviously everyone else's job got that much easier because Kuzma absolutely has the ability. If somebody closes out on him to either drive and dish to finish inside, to make the three Or to just draw a lot of defensive attention to himself where you've got guys open on the corners. I mean, you need to take advantage of those opportunities. We might have a little bit of growing pains where you're shooting five to ten more threes a game for the entire team. But this is the direction that the league has trended in. They need to be shooting more.
1: Just kind of stats on Kuzma right now. Chase Hughes put this up the other day, but in the last 39 games of Kyle Kuzma in a wizard Jersey, he's averaging 21 points per game, nine rebounds, four assists, one block, 47% from the field and 35% from three. And that's even with like a bad month in there when they added Porzingis and they kind of didn't integrate super quickly. So on paper, like that's awesome. If he can be that guy for forever, that's an all-star for them. And you mentioned the passing. I like, I'm on record here as saying like, Kuzma is probably the best creator for other guys on this team. Like the, the driving and kicking ability for Kuzma is is better than honestly. And Beal might be the other guy in that too, but you don't have a real like pass first point guard on the team. Like Monte's fine, but he's not like going to get you an 11 assist game or something like that. Whereas I can see Kuzma actually getting like a triple double with assists in there at some point. Sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, Kuzma is my favorite creator and distributor that's been on the team since Prime John Wall. And I'm not saying that he is Prime John Wall, but his ability to do things because of his scoring ability and he can score in every phase of the game and his ability to get out and transition and bully people with his size allows him to be kind of that point Kuz where, you know, he's not LeBron, he's not Giannis or something like that, but he's kind of like the, the Diet Coke version of them. And we're the wizards, okay? We're not gonna have LeBron James yeah. or Giannis. Like I'm cool with the Diet Coke version of those guys,
1: as long as he's not like the Pepsi Clear version of those guys. I think we're in pretty good shape. Did sure. not like yeah. Pepsi Clear. Uh-huh. <laughs> so
0: hot, uh, hot take. Uh, actually, I don't know if that is a hot take. That's no, be a very common take.
1: Yeah, the the rest of the world seemed to agree with me, given how yeah. short lived that was.
0: Sure, so, sure.
1: So Kuzma got asked about his ability to play a little bit more, you know, point guard effectively, and said he never did in L.A. with the Lakers obviously we had great players. So that wasn't my calling, but I have that ability. I can get a rebound and push. I can orchestrate things. I have a high enough IQ to understand who needs the ball in situations and what, uh, what we, what kind we need. I don't know what that means, but, um, so yeah, I mean, he recognizes that and that's big. And I think he talked a lot last year about learning from LeBron and watching film with Rondo and things like that. I kind of love the court awareness, which is why I got a little annoyed when a lot of people did the, oh, Rui could give you everything Kuzma gives you if he had the same amount of volume. And it's like, I I like Rui more than most. He has literally no court awareness, in my opinion. like He just looks like he's in the wrong spot or doesn't know what the right spot even is. Whereas, like, Kuzma seems to be processing at a higher level than a lot of his teammates are.
0: Rui, Rui has a little bit of bowl in a china shop to his game right. where, you know... Through the chaos of his game, he's still able to accomplish things, particularly because he has physical gifts and he is able to bully guys. And he does, you know, when he's hitting, he's got a nice shot. He's got a nice set of moves under the basket. But Kuz is an entirely different player than him. And and I think the two of them can coexist, honestly. Like they they do different things. They should be able to do different things when they're on court together. You know, they they have a lot of defensive potential. Um, I mean, yeah, Kuz's game when he was on the Lakers. And again, I I watched every one of Kuz's games on the Lakers, including his summer league game, where I was like, okay, this guy's going to be an MVP. Uh, He was kind of put in a Swiss army knife role where it was, you know, that first year with LeBron, you know, he was was like one of the primary scorers. And then they got Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis and he had to kind of do whatever they wanted him to do, which often meant that he ended up being, a spot up shooter. He wasn't really given a whole lot of opportunities to work inside. He couldn't work from the mid-range. He couldn't be a distributor because they had LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But this team could really use somebody like that because Bradley Beal, even when the assist totals look nice, is not that level of distributor. Nor should we ask that of him. I, I don't want Bradley to be able to be that player. I'd much rather have a lot of guys splitting the duties and
1: be to throw it back a few years and everybody eats style team. It's nice if he can do that. Like, you know, it, it's an advantage if he has the ability to have a couple nights where he just makes everybody's life easier. And he tried to do that, I think, some in the Bulls game and then turned it on late when he needed to. And I think that's really the sweet spot for him. Like, if he doesn't have to score 30 and he can just kind of like create for others, maybe he's a little fresher to close out games. I don't know. That's the hope. But just sticking with Kuzma here for another second, they talked to Wes Unseld in, in sort of post-game about just the like the role and usage for Kuzma this year. And they said they've been trying to find a lot of ways to get him more downhill. They explained how they think he's best in the open floor and he can kind of create those other looks uh, for teammates and how he has the green light to go coast to coast off of offensive rebounds. And they want to establish more plays with him bringing the ball up to initiate the offense. And you mentioned him playing next to Rui. And so maybe we can kind of segue this into like rotations a little bit. They're getting crushed with this like bench mob uh, idea that they have. And, and I think most people who have watched the team have felt this way, but the all substitute lineup is just getting just fucking demolished when they're on the it's floor awful. together. It's real bad. I, I mean, like that's like, objectively awful is the only word for it. They were minus 25 as a group the other night. And uh, I don't know who had this stat. I think it was Kirk Goldsberry, maybe, but he said that the wizards employed a full bench unit in all three games. And that lineup has scored just 48 points on 57 offensive possessions so that's 84 points per yeah. 100 possession. Um, that's that's really tough to do. And, and we're talking specifically about uh, DeLon Wright, Will Barton, Anthony Gill, Rui Hachimura, and Daniel Gafford. To me, Rui's best chance at being effective is with somebody spoon-feeding him, somebody like Kuzma. And you just make Rui a catch-and-shoot guy. You simplify for him. You're not putting the ball on the floor. It's all spot-ups. You're maybe the best three-point shooter on the team right now. Like just do that for him, like find ways to have him with Beal or let him cut off a KP, like different stuff where he's next to better players, I think will make Rui look better. And I think historically for him, his best minutes have come like when he's been a starter and things like that. So he'll play better as a fifth wheel or something like that than the man off the bench, which is what I think they had envisioned for him. But where are you at with the the notion of like staggering those starters a little bit more with some of the bench guys?
0: I mean, we have to do it. It was it was a problem a little bit during the uh, Scott Brooks tenure. Um, and it's a problem at all levels. I mean, once you move past high school basketball, you cannot have an all bench unit. And even it's in tough. high school basketball, it's like you're still going to lose those minutes. Unless you're the Clippers or the Warriors or... Right, where you, you know, go genuinely
1: 12 deep, you can do that. Yeah.
0: if Where you have legitimate starter level players at every position, two or three of them in mm. the case of the Clippers you can't play basketball this way and you're basically just giving them free points and then you're getting your, your leads are evaporating. And we saw this happen a ton during the John wall, Bradley Beal auto Porter trio era, mm-hmm. where those guys would play a ton together with uh Gortat and whoever their fifth would be, whether it was key or Ubre or whoever it may be, they'd build up these crazy leads and they'd have this amazing starter plus minus, And then this all bench unit would come in. And we'd be behind by the next time that John and the guys would come in. And it's just not sustainable. So if it means removing somebody from the starting unit who is working out in the starting unit right now, that's what you have to do. Or if you're just decreasing minutes for, you know, Anthony Gill to give some of those to to Rui or something like that. You know, Anthony Gill is not playing a ton of minutes, but so far this season, they're pretty much exclusively bad minutes. Yeah, I I feel bad for shitting on Gil like any of these. He seems like the nicest guy. Yeah, exactly. People say, people rave about what a good dude he is. They rave about how he is in the locker room. And I do think he has opportunities in games where, you know, a guy who's just going to be a hustle monster is going to be valuable for you. But so far, he has not been valuable to the Wizards. And I would much rather them have good shooters on the court who can defend at multiple positions. You know, guys like Denny, guys like Rui. Who are getting the balls spoon fed to
1: them in the right, right spots. If I'm a good team, I'm hunting Gil because he's too Absolutely. small to cover bigs. He's too small, like too slow to cover anyone on the wing. Like he he isn't anything. And we're kind of using him as like a backup three when realistically he should probably be like a backup five, because I think he's like a strong enough dude to to bang with backup centers most of the time. Mm-hmm. But when he's in your crunch time lineup, he can't guard DeRozan, he can't guard Kobe White, he can't guard Vucevic. Like he just there's nowhere to really put him and survive that. And I'm okay if, you know, over the course of the year, somebody gets hurt because it's the Wizards. Everyone will get hurt at some point. Then he finds his way into the rotation. But if when Kispert comes back, Gill isn't totally out of the lineup, like I'm going to have like a, a near stroke, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, play him on back-to-backs, yeah. play him with those specific matchups with slower footed teams that you think he's going to have an advantage against. Um... There's there's opportunities for him to rest the starters and rest some of the bench guys so that we're not playing absurd minutes for our best players. But he's at this point in his career, just not on the same level as some of these guys. And it hurts seeing him get blown by or fumble uh, like a clear layup or something like that. And I I mean, the three point shooting is fine, but he doesn't really take that many for it to be worthwhile. So I just ask myself when he's on the court, like, where are you providing
1: value that we can't get somewhere else? And so far, I haven't seen it. I mean, if if it's that limited minutes, I'd either rather go Taj Gibson if they needed a big or like let Johnny Davis try a two minute right. stretch here or there. Yeah. And just maybe have that to. pays off for you down the
0: road. We have to let Johnny Davis try at some point. If we're not going to send him down to the G League and have him play all his minutes there, he has to be getting game reps. I mean, this has been a problem for the Wizards for a number of years where we just completely blow the rookie seasons for a lot of these guys they get no development and then they come into the second or third year and they look passable as NBA players, Mm -hmm. but we're just wasting so much development time and saying that they're getting it, you know, in the gym, NBA teams are not practicing that often. So he's, he's really not getting five on five experience on a regular basis. If you're not putting him in games.
1: The only thing I hope is that because they are in the same practice facility, that he's at least practicing with the go-go every day. Also, like maybe you don't play minutes with them, but you're 21 years old, like you can run two practices a day, even, you know, even if the Wizards do have a real practice that day, it shouldn't hurt to have Gil or have Davis do both.
0: And, and looking at the way that he's played, you know, in summer league and in preseason, he needs to be playing with players of that level because okay. he seems so far out of his his depth at this point, And he seems like he's losing confidence. He, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but he needs to go beat up on worse players for a little bit and kind of get the swag back that he had at Wisconsin where he backpacked
1: that team for the entire year. This is not some scrub or some nobody that came out of, I don't know, sorry to just keep beating on Sacramento State because I did it in the intro, but (laughs) Sacramento State, like this is a guy that was Big Ten Player of the Year for a reason. And there are plenty of dudes that look like absolute dog shit in summer league. Like that's my new favorite thing to go to every summer. And there are some guys that I'm like, holy shit, how did this guy ever make a high school team? Because they just, it's a tough environment for certain guys that play certain ways. and. You look at like Jake Laravia, that's sort of Memphis's rookie this year. He was like unplayable for most of the summer league. And I think he had four threes in a game the other night, because now he's playing next to Ja and all these other guys that are like making his life so easy. And you hear about what Portland's trying to do, where they took exactly what Shaden Sharp is good at and said, this is what we want from you. Do nothing more than this at any point in time. Here is your role until we tell you otherwise. Whereas you've got Wes Unseld being like, hey, Johnny, go be point guard. Like we want to make you uncomfortable, like just just set him up to not suck. That's all. <laughs> Making life easy for
0: rookies has never been something that the Wizards is all. I've been watching them for probably twenty five years. It's just not something that we do, um, and it almost never pays off for us. Basically, unless we have a top three to five pick, we're not having great experience with a lot of rookies. Some of the best players that we're getting, we're getting elsewhere. Or you know, you stumble into a John Wall or a Bradley Beal or something like that. But if you're looking at an eight, nine, 10 pick, a guy like Johnny Davis or Denny or whoever, you need to develop them. Like they're not going to be good out of the gate. It's just not the reality of,
1: of what their expectations for them should be. But that requires them to have playing time. It's one extreme or the other with them. It's either, hey, Rui, you're the starter from day one and you'll get 25 minutes as a rookie, even though you don't really provide much of positive value on the court or you're Troy Brown jr. And you play like four minutes a game for the first 75% of the season. So it just like, why can't we have like a nice healthy trickle them some minutes here and there, slowly ramp it up as the course of the year. Like that would be just too easy and too straightforward for this team. I think. Yeah. If Johnny
0: Davis is playing, you know, 10 to 14 minutes a game, I don't think that's going to be the thing that loses us games because there's going to be four other guys on the court who are legitimate NBA players. And I, I genuinely feel like this is one of the more talented rosters we've had. Yeah. In the past, you know, 15 years, sure. um, if some of the guys that we have on our bench were on those John Wall teams, I think we would have a different. Yeah, I agree. We would have gotten further in the playoffs. We would probably would have ended up playing and and losing to uh, LeBron James, but we would have gotten there.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with that. That's enough for me. I'm not greedy. I just want to lose in the second round instead of the play-in.
0: Yeah. I mean, my, my, my goal is a wizards fan and it was the goal during the Gilbert arenas years. And it was the goal during the John Wall years was to LeBru- lose to, I just said LaBruce lose to LeBron James in the playoffs in, you know, the second or third round. Like that's okay. Third round would be
1: the dream. Like I, that's my, that's making, our championship. Making
0: an ECF. Oh my God. I'd be, I'd be like the fans in Philly after the, uh, World the Philly's there. game the other day. Yeah. yeah. I'd be climbing greased up uh, light poles.
1: This is the other thing that bothers me about sort of the rotation so far. You've said straight up that like you like Will Barton as a six man and you felt that he's a better fit coming off the bench. So what that says to me is that the two starters that you're choosing between potential starters are Denny and Rui. And, and that's fine. Like let them compete against each other or whatever. But then at the end of the game, when you bypass, like let's say the Chicago game where Porzingis falls out, they bypass all of those guys and Gafford and go to Gill It's like, what, what message are you sending to them? Like you could have been a starter, but we're not even going to play you in crunch time because we don't trust you. And then that could apply to Gafford too. I mean, like, it's just weird to me. Like, so some of the choices and and these guys are people. So to me, I would be reading into all kinds of shit. If I didn't have like a real talk with my coach about it afterwards, like, Hey, we saw this particular thing that made us go with Gil of all people in this situation and not you. If I'm Rui, I'm like, fuck this, man. Like, I couldn't go out and do what Gil just did. Yeah. And I I mean, if I'm Rui in particular,
0: and and I guess Barton as well, you know, Rui's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. They didn't come to terms before the season. I don't think we really necessarily thought they were going to considering, you know, how little he's really played. And and we really don't know what his value is. And I'm not sure he knows what his value is. The rest of the league certainly doesn't know because they don't watch us. But if you're only so playing him eight, if you're only playing him 18 to 22 minutes a game, how are we going to find out what his value is? And mm-hmm. if you're not putting him in crunch time lineups, why, like why are you doing that? Is is there something specifically that you're seeing in practice that makes you think that he's not valuable? And if that's the case, we need to be trying to move on from him ASAP. But if you think that he is a potential player that you're going to give an extension to, get him in there and get him in those crunch time lineups. And he's going to make mistakes. I mean, Beal was an all NBA player a few years ago, and he was making mistakes in crunch time. And and that's part of the learning experience for these guys. It's always going to happen. LeBron James makes mistakes in crunch time. They're rare, but he makes them. If you never put a guy in that position, he's always going to crumble when he actually gets there.
1: I do research and development for a living. And one of the things we always talk about is learn by doing. And sometimes you just need to like try it out and see what it works and what didn't work or what you didn't know would not work in advance. And until you give these guys those opportunities, you, you can't really know. And I think I tweeted this the other night, but for years, the narrative in Toronto was like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are just like bums that will choke in the clutch and they can't get you past a certain point. And one playoff run where Lowry was like the second or third best guy for most of it, if sometimes even the third or fourth best guy. And now all of a sudden he's Mr. Clutch. Right. Like, The narrative is the narrative until it's no longer the narrative, you know, like it just takes that sort of one run. If, if Beal was clutch in the next five games, all of a sudden Beal's clutch, like it just, it doesn't take that much for that to take hold. And it can take hold with players from like a psyche perspective too. Like if Beal's like, yeah, I got this. And he's like grabbing his dick, you know, in like the fourth quarter, like, okay, I think that translates. And, and Beal's been
0: on the other side of this. I mean, he's gotten the reputation the past few years for not being a clutch guy and being the uh, quote unquote like franchise leader who doesn't actually care about winning. But if you looked at Beal at 22, even when he was still on those minutes restrictions and you looked at him and those teams that were that were playing like the Hawks in the playoffs yeah. in yeah, like he 2015, was he was fantastic for a guy his age with his level of NBA experience at that point with the team that was around him. I mean, Bradley Beal looked like he was going to take the jump to being the best shooting guard in in the East at that point. Yeah. And you can make arguments that at times he has kind of been that guy. You know, as long as James Harden is in the East, I, I don't think that's ever gonna be the case. And he's obviously got more competition now than he did a few years ago. But Beale has shown both sides of the coin in terms of, you know, clutch gene. You just gotta put him in those positions to. Not be going into the end of the fourth quarter with 42 minutes on his leg, or going into overtime and being the only guy that you're feeding for shots.
1: This is once again a perfect segue that you're leading us into our next topic here of just Bradley Beal as your defensive stopper. <laughs> a lot to say, Brad. Play 40 minutes. Be the offense. Create for other guys. Oh, and by the way, guard the other team's best player. But if you notice the other team's best player is never guarding him back, that should sure. tell you something. Like, I, I want Beal to be a passable defender and I want him to take the challenge on, but I would rather see Beal on Kobe White and Denny on DeMar DeRozan to close a game than the other way around. Am I crazy for that?
0: No, absolutely not. There's absolutely no reason to expect your team's shooting guard and your number one scorer. Like, if, if he was a power forward or something sure. like that. Giannis he was, can do if, that. Again, if he was Giannis, then yes, I can make peace with that being kind of the role that he's built for himself. But Beal telling himself and telling the media and telling the coaching staff that he's going to be our defensive guy, don't, don't promise that. Because A, there's no expectation for that. Nobody wants that from you. B, you're going to get beat up by a lot of players that are bigger than you and better than you because good offense is going to be good defense and your defense is not that good. Yeah. I don't have an expectation for him to be that guy. I don't want him to have an expectation for him to be that guy. And I think it just creates these additional problems with the way that like we talk about these guys on on social media. And, and we're coming out of games where like you see Beal get blown by and you're like, oh, I thought he was going to be yeah. slapping the ground like Tim Duncan, defensive stopper. And it's like that's he's scoring 30 points a game. You know, he's got the ball in his hands more than anybody else on the team. I don't want him to be our defensive stopper. I want Kuzma and Denny and Rui and Gafford and Porzingis and Beal and Will Barton and every single person that touches the court, because we do not have an all defense level guy needs to be the defensive stopper. They all need to be taking part in that. I mean, he's not prime Dwayne Wade. He's not number eight, Kobe. Like I I don't know where this narrative comes from, that he has to be that guy. Just be, average
1: to good at defense. That's fine. Just don't give up 40 while you're guarding Terrence Ross. Like that's yeah, all I'm looking for. for that's me. <laughs> that'd be excellent. That'd be I mean, like, look, have somebody shoot at their
0: league average or slightly below it, and I will give you your flowers every single day of the week.
1: Or, you know, if you get switched onto them in some kind of crunch time position, just just be good in those minutes. But I don't need him picking up DeMar DeRozan full court to close a game out or Donovan Mitchell or whoever it is. Like, it's just it's crazy to me. And they said, like, Oh, Beale asked for this. So of course we told him it like, sometimes you got to save a guy from himself. Like we've catered to Beal so much. We've already given him $250 million. I, I think like we, that should give us enough cachet to be like, dude, this is not what we want from you. We appreciate the effort, but how about you just stay in the corner and make sure Kobe White doesn't do anything on this possession. Like that's you know all we that, want from you.
0: You know what that reminds me of a little bit was the, uh, that I think it was the last year of Kyrie Irving on the Celtics where he was like, I'm never going to go like six for 18 again. And then he goes into these games. Not only does he shoot worse than that, but he keeps calling out his defensive assignment. I think it was Giannis, but it could yeah. have been somebody else. Could have been like Embiid or somebody. I'm not sure. And he's just getting annihilated by these guys. And it's like, Kyrie, like you're not a good guard defender. Right. Period. In what reality were you going to defend arguably the best player on earth? Yeah. Who's a foot taller than you. Don't. Yeah. Don't set those expectations for yourself. We're not going to have them for you. So you don't need to either be an efficient scorer, you know, be a floor general, be the leader in the locker room and, and know your role in the team defense, but like you're a guard. So your defense is not going to be as important as the big guys. Anyways.
1: I also think a lot of this is about confidence too. And it's still a relatively new, you know, tenure for, for Wes Unseld there. If I'm Denny, for example, If what I can best do for this team is be the defensive stopper and the team tells me, no, we want you in the corner guarding Alex Caruso while Beal guards DeMar DeRozan. If I'm him, I'm like, well, okay, shit, like this team doesn't trust me at all. Okay, we're going to let Beal guard Jason Tatum. Okay, well, what's Rui for at that point? Like it, it just... I think, again, it sends a wrong message to the team. And again, these teams switch so much on everything anyway. He's going to end up on him. Like, I don't know why you would start out of the gate that way, unless it's like a mind, like a mind trick kind of thing. Like they're they're doing their best Jedi move of like, we'll put Beal on him, but then they'll switch (laughs) and we'll end up with a better defender on him and they won't know what to do. Like I, yeah,
0: I mean, if, if Beal starts on Jason Tatum and they're doing that whole like St. Louis poise thing and yeah. then Kuzma ends up being the guy to defend him under the rim, <laughs> I'm fine with that. It just seems like unnecessary wear and tear on Beal to even start the possession that way. Like make Jason Tatum work for it every inch of the way rather than letting him get
1: nine out of 10 feet and then coming in on him. Yep, I totally agree. And we've talked a little bit here. I've mentioned a couple of times I'm worried about like trust and confidence and things like that but this team repeatedly says how much better the chemistry is this year like that's just the enduring theme of the season so far and doesn't you, take much, right? Oh apparently I mean they asked Kuzma about it and he said, well, we couldn't say that about last year's team and then he mentioned resiliency was a difference over this year's team and how everyone was actually positive in huddles this year. like there's still some <laughs> like very clear shade against certain people. From last year, when Beal got asked about it, he said that wasn't that last year's team didn't like each other. It's just that they have uh, guys this year who were actually bought into what Wes wants, which, again, says a lot. But I don't know, like, if I'm some of these guys, if you keep putting me in the corner on Caruso and I'm a defensive player, maybe I'm not going to buy into what Wes wants for for very long, too. But anyway, they asked Kuzma about his chemistry with Beal and Porzingis. Uh, He said it's damn good right now, which is encouraging to hear. Uh, But he also mentioned that They've barely played together, so it'll only keep getting better. I think that's something to remember with this team is there are so many new guys and give them a month. And And I don't think this is last year where they're going to regress after a good start. Like, I expect this team to be better in December than they were in October. They absolutely should be
0: better in December than they were in October, assuming health. Obviously, sure. yeah, that's, yeah, that's a sure. big assumption, particularly on a team with Porzingis. But when Porzingis is healthy, he is still one of the premier offensive threats in the league. And and I know we've kind of worn out the term at this point, but when he came into the league and we were calling him a unicorn, there was a reason, a reason. for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, he can do things that 99.9% of guys that have ever played in the NBA can't do just because of his, his physical gifts and his shooting touch and his ability to get downhill. If this team is healthy in December and... You know, they have a clear hierarchy where it's, you know, I don't even necessarily want to say it's Beale's team, but you know, Beal is the leader. He's, I think, 30, 31. I think he and I are about the same age. I think he's 30. Uh, if not, he's 29. He's the gotta be the guy, and everything needs to start at him and end at him in terms of you know what kind of game they're playing and taking responsibility for missed assignments, taking responsibility for bad turnovers. And that's going to filter on down to Kuzma and Porzingis. And it's going to filter on down to to Gafford and Danny and Rui. And the entire team is going to be affected by that. I think last year, you know, we had the stuff with Dinwiddie, which we continue to see shots in the media at each other. People didn't talk about it a lot, but I think there was a lot of stuff there with Trez as well, because Mm -hmm. Trez has left multiple locker rooms and then immediately leaked a bunch of stuff to the media through his agent. Now, I don't want to speak on how much of that's true, but... That's always kind of been the, the story of Trez's career. There was a lot of guys who didn't really seem to understand their place in the hierarchy and everybody wanted their shots. This team, I think, is one of the first ones we've had in a while where there's a pretty clear hierarchy of like, okay, this guy eats and then this guy eats and then this guy eats. And if everyone's doing their job, we're all going to look really good and we're all going to get really nice contracts out of this.
1: Yeah. And I mean, in Beal's case and Porzingis's case already happened. Yeah. I mean, even Porzingis though, like he's playing for the next contract, right? Like it's, can he be healthy for two years in a row? I think that really dictates how much money he gets. So I don't want to do like a Wes Unsell Jr. Like bashing session or anything, because I think he'll just keep getting better and better. But I think it's pretty clear at this point that maybe uh, X's and O's are not his forte to the point where he's Nick Nurse or somebody where it's so creative that everybody's going to rave about it. But the thing he seems well-suited for and, Know Larry Hughes talked about it on this pod too that like Wes is just like a good people person, and the Mm -hmm. fact that um Beal said that he had uh everybody on the Wizards come in early this year to work on building chemistry like they were required, but not you know, soft required to show up early and and get together I think is huge, and and that seems to be where I think he can most impact this team from like a team management like a poor man's Phil Jackson kind of thing. Like how do I juggle egos and get everybody to just buy in? Like that's, that's what they need from him more than anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, have everybody come in and, and do the Ted Lasso thing where they, <laughs> they burn things that are, you know, a part of their life, uh, which is, is very much a Phil Jackson thing, you know, the Zen mm-hmm. master. I'm okay with, with Wes Unseld never being that level of X's and O's guys. And I, I don't know if that's who we were expecting him to be. Um, you know, obviously he was a part of that nugget squad with, Jokic as their primary guy. So I was never really expecting him to be a guy who was running a ridiculous number of set plays because so much of what makes that Nuggets offense work is the the creativity and the free-flowing nature of it. Kuzma and, and Beal and Porzingis and a couple other guys, even Denny to some degree, they have that creativity to their game where they can make these things happen without running a ton of set plays. You know, some of the out-of-timeout stuff, which was one of the few things that I gave Scott Brooks credit for, was that a lot of times he'd run some good ATO plays. Uh, I'd like to see more on that. I'd like to see them start off some of these quarters a little bit better. Granted, we're three games into this season. I'm trying to forget as much about last year as possible in terms of, you know, the roster cohesion and the end result after such a hot start. I, I have faith in West. I think he is going to be a good coach for this team, um, but it's got to start at the top with,
1: with, you know, Beal and, 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 Porzingis and Kuzma more than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, if you've got Beal uh, saying he's going to be the leader on the court and all this stuff and dictate who he guards and all that stuff, like, okay, show well, me. Then, yeah, let's do it. Show uh, me. Absolutely. And actually I, I like, we talked about Beal's defense, but I thought the effort has been good in those times where he has tried to guard those guys. Like, the same way people struggle to guard him when he's hot, he's going to struggle to guard Donovan Mitchell. Who's like clearly on a tear to start the year, but, but he put in some effort, the chase down block. Like we never saw Bradley Beale chase down blocks in the past. Um, Whether he does it game 15 or game 70, we'll see, but the effort so far has at least been encouraging.
0: Yeah, I'll absolutely take that. And I I mean, people say all the time that, you know, 90% of defense is effort. I don't necessarily believe it's that much. I mean, it's, it's your physical gifts. It's yeah. how much, you know, the schemes, it's the kind of actual players you put on the court together. There's a lot of a- aspects to it, but effort is a massive part of defense. And if Bradley Beal is trying on that end, I'll take that over the majority of his career so far. Yeah. And I, that's, I'm okay with him not being a 30 point per game score. If Bradley Beal scoring 23, yeah, he might not win any awards for it, but if he's 23 and he's distributing well, and he's not turning the ball over. And he's playing good guard defense. I will sing his
1: praises. Not going to call anybody out by name here, but a certain somebody in a group chat that we're in mentioned (laughs) Bradley Beal maybe being a very efficient player, inefficient player the other night. I thought he was great for most of that Cavs game. And like, you know, like obviously it didn't end the way you would like, and there were two bad turnovers, but I mean, the reason they're in that game is because he was so hyper efficient. I think. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, he was not, he was not inefficient. I think he missed a couple shots at the end of the game. Prior to that, I think he was like 11 for 14 or 11 for 15. He started out great. You know, he started out in, in a really good spot. He got a steal on Mitchell. Uh, he was fouled by Mobley. He hit two free throws. And then with 15 seconds to go, he throws a dime to Will Barton to tie the game. And then the wheels came off in overtime, like we talked about at the beginning, but in terms of regulation, if that's the Bradley Beal that I'm getting every night, we're winning a lot more games than we're losing. Because that was, that's that's my perfect ideal of what Bradley Beal can be. Yep. And if it means that sometimes, you know, he gets tired in overtime and makes some dumb mistakes, you know, that's there on the rest of the team too for not being able to pick it up and, and make it work when
1: before overtime. But yeah, they never go to overtime if anyone else grabs a defensive rebound in that game. If they get two yeah. extra defensive rebounds, they'd probably win that game outright, to be honest. Yeah. And and that goes back to the there's, there was top. a couple
0: missed free throws, you know, yeah. even yeah. even if they hit every shot in, in, sure. in overtime as well. The Cavs were on one in overtime. Yeah. They were they were unleashed. They came out like a bat out of hell and they looked fantastic. And we didn't. That happens. It's going to continue to happen to a lot of teams around the league. But in terms of what he looked like in regulation, I don't have a single complaint about Bradley Beal from last night. And I've watched the game. Because I did want to make sure that I came into this very, very prepared. I've watched that game
1: two and a half times at this point. I love it, man. That's good. I will never watch that game for as long as I live. So kudos <laughs> to you. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm i an unhealthy person. <laughs> let's call it what it is. I, I assume uh, as a Wizards fan that we're all unhealthy people at this point. Yes. So it's yeah, just we've, very, we've very accepted,
0: the accepted a life of uh, unhappiness, which normally normally is offset by my Lakers Hmm. Uh, and this year right now.
1: And and last year, it's just pain, pain, pain is life. Life is pain. Uh, Do they send former wizard Russell Westbrook home at this point? Like, do you just pack it up or, or do you think he plays his way out of it at some point?
0: I think they're so consumed with proving that they were right about the Russ experience that they're not going to do it. And I mean, it's $47 million to be sending home, which granted to multi-billion dollar franchises doesn't mean what it would mean to you or I. Uh, I'd love to be sent home for $47 million. Take it. I'd do it for half that.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Um, but look, I mean, if you get 10 games into the season, they're 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 0-3 right now. And very arguably, they could be 3-0 and if you look at the defense they've been playing. If they hit two more shots in two of these games, they're at least two and one, two more shots is all it takes, but neither here nor there. If they get to 10 games into the season and they're anywhere from, you know, if they're, if if they're not better than I'll even say three and seven, if they're two and eight at 10 games, you got to move them. You got to make the trade Pacers trade, or you got to make the jazz trade. I know Russ is not going to want to go to the jazz for, for obvious reasons, but the Pacers trade is is right there looking at you. You got guys that will make this team better in the ways that you're you, you want to be. You know, you got Buddy healed shooting. You got uh, Turner's defensive presence on the inside. I don't know if it makes them, you know, a genuine contender, but it makes them into a playoff team. And right now, they look like the worst team in the
1: West. For everybody listening, uh, don't tune out yet because I promise we will <laughs> full circle. Full circle this into a Wizard to point in a second. But just on the Lakers for one more second here. They're like the worst shooting team in the league, but because their defense has been so good, I think, um, they've been competitive in all these games. Like you said, if you make two more shots, you're two and one. I, I totally agree with that. I think they have real guys that are defending at like a high NBA level. And Anthony Davis's play has maybe not been to the level it was previously, but I think he's been okay. Like Even guys like Juan Toscano Anderson come in and play hard as shit defensively. If you just guard a little bit in the NBA, like you're gonna be competitive. And for the Wizards, I think that's the same thing. Of like, they finally have a blend of enough defense and enough shooting that I think they can make a real run. Like, if you added shooting to that Lakers team, which you would get from Heald and Turner, to me, that's it's a seven seed or something or a six seed or better, even if everything gels and people stay healthy. But you know, that, that, that applies to the wizards that applies to every team in the league. Like if you're just respectable on both ends of the floor, you've got a really good shot to beat everybody on any given night. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're respectable on both ends of the floor
0: and granted, if you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's a little bit different than having Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma, but even still, if Kyle Kuzma or excuse me, if Bradley Beal is your best offensive player. And you are, you know, in the top half of defense, and you're in the top half for offense. Again, you're going to win more games than you're going to lose. You know, you might not be a genuine contender the way like a Clippers or a Bucks or something. I was almost going to say the Sixers, but so far,
1: jury's <laughs> not a good start.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry's still out on them. No one's talking about their zero three start. Uh, I guess because the Phillies still, you know, being mm-hmm. in the playoffs,
1: still in Thunder.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if if you're a balanced team. I will take that over being, you know, some of the Wizards teams that we saw around the time of the bubble where it was like incredibly high pace, incredibly high scoring, but bottom five in the league for defense and losing these games like 132 to 137. So far from what I've seen from this team, you know, overtime notwithstanding, they're they're able to put clamps on teams. And as long as the scoring kind of stays where it is, I mean. The Wizards are going to win games. And if the Lakers can just get a little bit more out of their scoring or just get Russell Westbrook to use three less possessions a game, you're winning some of these games. You absolutely are.
1: He shoots 15% instead of eight from three. Maybe it's a totally different story.
0: Uh, If they're not like the worst three-point shooting league team since like the creation of the line, (laughs) then you know they're two and one, which is, is crazy to say because of how much we've talked about how bad they are. But it's really like It's how bad Russ has been and then expanding outward from there because it's dragging everything else down. I'm glad that we got like the tail end of of good Russell Westbrook.
1: I would be very curious to know if Shaquille O'Neal got the same volume of three-pointers that Russell Westbrook has had so far, if he would shoot a higher percentage or not. I'm just curious about that. Um,
0: I would love to see it. I'd love to see current Shaquille O'Neal. Just just honestly put him in the studio. Put him in the inside the yeah, NBA. See studio. if he can make 20% tell him how many Russ has taken so far and yeah. see like if he makes three, yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. I yeah. think we're good.
1: That would be good television. Pay attention yeah. to us and uh inside the NBA. Speaking of the Wizards defense and gimmicks and tactics and stuff maybe <laughs> borrowed from Phil Jackson, the Wizards have broken out the new defensive player of the game championship belt this year. Uh Curious about your thoughts on the belt. Do you think it's a stupid gimmick or is it something the team will actually give a shit about? Like, where are you at with the belt? <laughs> I mean, to me as a fan, is it a stupid gimmick?
0: Maybe. But to them as a team, if it gets them to lock in on defense and it gets them amped up in the locker room about something that's not necessarily going to pop out on a stat sheet because it's not necessarily going to be like, you know, who's got the most stocks, who's got the most rebounds, something like that. It's like, who, who was the most influential on this side of the court? If it gets them to care about it, I'm all for it so much of professional sports at the highest level is mind games and convincing all these 450 guys who are all the best in the world at what they do, that they're a little better than the guy next the to care a little more. Yeah. 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 So if, if, if this is the thing that gives them, you know, five, 10% extra drive and it builds like a rapport in the locker room and it builds that camaraderie and these guys are excited about it. I'm all for it. Do whatever you want to do in the locker room. If it, if, if, well, not that yeah. uh, within reason, wanna, Yeah, within reason, within reason. We've all seen the Anthony Davis video from college uh, or no handguns for certain wizards. No hand handguns. Yeah, yeah. I am talking about the wizards. Um, don't do anything in the locker room, but do things that, you know, build up the team. It's just like when you hear stories about teams that are doing like bowling nights and they're going out to the movies together and their, they're, their families are spending time together. If it's something like that on a personal level or it's a competitive level or whatever it may be, if it gets these guys locked in, let's
1: do it. Yeah, the Greg Popovich teams, they all had to go to dinner. It's mandatory or they all had to bring at least somebody on the plane with them for a certain away game. You know, like that would be team bonding weekend like that. That shit goes a long way. It's this corny as it may sound from the outside perspective. Look at how many rings that guy has. He, I mean, done, yeah, he's done. Okay. So far <laughs> you had Michael Jordan
0: and Scotty Pippen and Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal doesn't hurt. And then I guess eventually Pau Gasol, but it, there's so many teams that we've seen in the history of the league that have absurd talent and don't win anything. Look at the OKC Thunder back in the day. Look at the current nets. I mean, getting these guys to buy in on a personal level on, on
1: court, on court and off court is massive. Greg Popovich makes each player do a book report basically, or like a a topic that they give a presentation on at the start of the year, like just dumb shit like that is good for team building. So I like the belt. The one thing I do think you need good chemistry for to survive is the fact that the previous winner picks the next winner. Cause I could see guys being like, nah, that should have been my belt tonight, (laughs) you know, but as long as everybody's kind of on the same page about it, hopefully they're all happy for each other and stuff like that.
0: That's why I'm glad that Trez is no longer on the team. Because I imagine
1: my all belt, caps bitch. on
0: Twitter, Trez would be giving it to himself every day.
1: Oh, yeah. There'd be a lot of subtweets or Instagram <laughs> stories about where's my belt. Anyway, Stop trying to uh, fit out and fit in. All right. In in leaning into the full-on in this year, I think the move we're going to try to roll out this season is a weekly fan of the week. Each episode, Wizards fan of the week. So, took nominations on Twitter uh, from... Uh, sda nft's nomination he's one of the co-captains of the district of collectors nba top shot fan group uh he nominated their sort of co-president alec jenkins alex um at on twitter is TopShotWizard.eth. he runs again this district of collectors group for anybody not familiar with nba top shot we did an episode with alec over the summer here so go back and look to, uh, listen to that they got 38 adult men to go to a wizards game together where most of them don't know each other. And they just broed out for like two hours before the game and the entire game, they gave out a bunch of shit. They went on the court, they took a photo. Like I'm all about people like building the wizards community, growing the fan base. Like we get clowned for being like a non-existent fan base most of the time. So like them representing is awesome. So uh, Alec, kudos to you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll tweet about your, uh, championship belt notification here, uh, after the show goes up. That's awesome. I love that for them. I mean,
0: the guys in the group chat that you and I are in, I'm friends with all of those guys because of our love of wizards basketball and our love of the same shared bar. But I probably would have never been going to that bar with them if we were not all into wizards basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. we get a lot of hate, like you mentioned from other fan bases for seemingly not caring. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, it's, it's what DC has kind of been through in terms of the basketball product on the court, you know, the owners that we've had, um, how transient of a city it is, how many people live in the suburbs and don't want to like actually commute in for the games, but people that care about the wizards, absolutely care about the wizards. And I'm going to bleed this team until I die. Like, I, no matter if they never win a title in my lifetime, I was prepared to do it with the Nats. I was prepared to do it with the caps. I'm going to do it with the Wiz. I love this team. I love the people that I've met through the team, and and you know, there's there's a real
1: sense of community with Wiz fans. Shared pain like adds to it, I think. Absolutely, too. Yeah.
0: shared pain might be might be the the top point of it, but you know, it's shared, and that's what
1: matters. If uh, we ever leave the Believe Network with this podcast, and I rename the show, I'm just going to call it Shared Pain. So <laughs> yeah, I think that describes just wizards. I really
0: like that. I really yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. It's, make, uh, sure, make sure nobody else takes that.
1: That's right. I'm going to trademark it right now, just in case. So yeah. if you're thinking about it, anyone listening to this, I've probably beat you to it by the time I post this, but we'll see. Uh, all right. Even the last thing, I, I gave you a little homework assignment here. I want to talk our prospect profile for this week. This week, it's six foot nine forward out of Alabama, Brandon Miller. Did you get a chance to watch him at all? And if so, what'd you think? I did. I actually watched
0: a lot of his uh, high school tape, and I okay. read a bunch of uh, play-by-plays of Alabama's games in Europe. Mm. Couldn't find a lot of. I mean, I found actually some like, like practice YouTube. tape yeah, from him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I found some of that stuff. Um, I mean, from what I've what I've read about the guy, uh, it seems like right now they've kind of got him in like that sixteen to twenty two range where. Right you know, if he kind of stays on the trajectory he's on right now, he's going to be outside the lottery. But a lot of people are also saying that, like, based on this guy's physical dimensions, his ability to finish with both hands, his three-point shooting, his ability to defend, it's very possible that if this Alabama team, which very frustrating that Alabama is now also trying to get into being a good basketball They're program. They're so well coached. Nate Oates oh is my such God. a good coach. It's Fuck that. So deserve two things, yeah. You can't, you don't deserve two things. This is, this is how I imagine. And I I mean, I, I feel good about this because my sister went to university of Florida, but I imagine this is how fans of like FSU and Miami felt about UF during like the late 2010s and and early 2011s. Cause you had, yeah, you had the Tebow years and then you also had like Horford and and then Bradley Beal and all those guys. Like Alabama was not allowed to be good at two things, but yeah if he does end up gelling with this current roster and look in the way that a lot of people think he's going to look, I think it's very reasonable that he could end up being a lottery pick. Uh, I hope that we are not a lottery team, but at the same time, like if we do end up being one, I don't think you can ever have too many six, nine forwards that can kind of finish
1: through traffic and shoot the three ball. It's kind of Kuzma esque except like yeah. a, prettier looking jump shot like (laughs) yeah like kuzma does that kind of weird fade when he doesn't need to thing so so miller so far again brandon miller for anybody following this um he's gonna be almost basically 20 and a half years old on draft night which is a little old for a freshman but that's okay uh yet tall forward athletic like plays some point forward for his high school team we'll see if he does that at all at alabama like a monster shooter from the mid-range so it seems reasonable. He can kind of back that out and, and shoot from three a little bit at a higher percentage, but they had a scrimmage so far against uh, TCU, who will be a top 25 team this year. And they lost 99 to 69 as a team. And apparently we're down 40 after the first half. And they just gave the ball to Brandon Miller in the second half. And were just like, do good things. So he scored like 21 points in the second half. He finished with 33 for the game. And that's 33 of 69 total points. He shot 12 of 22 and went four of 10 from three, had nine rebounds in 30 minutes of play. Like, he's going to be a fucking monster. And yeah. I think that's a lottery pick at the end of the day, if, if he can even keep you know, semi-close to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if he... I mean, I, I don't really necessarily expect those to be his averages <laughs> sure. uh, as a college player, but if that happens, he's certainly going to be a lottery pick.
1: You're Kevin Durant, um, if that's if
0: that, that Yeah, point. yeah. I mean, at, at that point, you know, there starts being a conversation of, are you... In that same tier as uh, Wembyama, He's not, but neither here nor there. Uh, He's the kind of guy that basically every team in the league, if he's on this trajectory, is going to want. Whether they're a tanking team or a current playoff team, because you're going to be able to slot a guy like that into a lot of lineups because he's clearly not afraid of big moments. He's clearly got the scoring ability. He's going to continue to get heavier. Uh, For his weight, I don't think he's a particularly heavy guy right now. Two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna have to put on muscle. I mean, you know, I I'm five inches shorter than him, four inches shorter than him, and I weigh about twenty pounds more than him. I don't know if that's an indictment on (laughs) me or an indictment on him, but you know, he's he's gonna get bigger. All these guys do, and when that becomes the case, I mean, yeah, I think Kuzma's a really good parallel for him. Kuzma's got a really nice bag of tricks, and we don't see it as much as we used to. Like his first couple years on the Lakers when they just were like, yo, go score however you want. Kuzma was doing crazy things to score. Um, so he does have a pretty deep bag, but you know, you're, if you're a six, nine forward and you end up being like two twenty, two thirty, 230, you don't need
1: to have the deepest bag. Cause there's not a lot of guys that are gonna be able to stop. you. We all kind of talked over the summer about how uh, Denny Avdia had 25 points against a non-ranked Auburn team and like how exciting that was for him as a third year NBA player. But you've got, Brandon Miller playing against the Chinese national team, which is a top 30 FIBA team in the world. Like they're better than I think people think. And Alabama beat them by 12 and Brandon Miller had 21 points and only played like 20 minutes in the game. Like he played grown ass men on professional teams and just cooked them. So uh, I feel really good about this. This is a guy I think I'm going to have like, again, in that lottery range, assuming he doesn't like totally shit the bed when real games start. So anyway, if you're listening to this, people, uh, we already did Leonard Miller uh, of the G League Ignite. This is Brandon Miller, and we'll eventually do Baba Miller from Florida State. <laughs> and we'll cover all of the six foot nine to six foot ten Millers in this year's draft class. And all three of them are good for different reasons. We wouldn't want to leave anybody out, right? Exactly. Gonna have the the Miller Time podcast here. Uh, <laughs> all right, I think that's all I have for us uh, here. We've covered a whole bunch of stuff, and hopefully, we'll have more to talk about as the you know the rest of the season goes on here. Griffin, uh, for anybody who is not following you, not following the podcast, like give us the full plug now, right? Like, where can we find all the stuff you're putting out? Do
0: you want the full plug or the short plug? Full plug.
1: Okay, full plug. There Let's are a lot of
0: places Turn, that you can follow me, like we loop, mentioned yeah. at the top of the show. If you want to follow my personal account, uh, you, you know you'll see the occasional thirst trap, you'll see the occasional tweet about politics. You can follow me at Griffin Q on both Twitter and Instagram. To follow my basketball podcast, the Give and Go Show. Just search the Give and Go Show on YouTube. We don't have enough uh, subscribers at this point to have a specific URL. But once we do, I will let everybody know. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Give Go Show. We post links to new episodes there weekly. So, you know, tune in there and get the discussion going. And then if you're looking for a more comedic, entertaining podcast, something very different from this. Not that this was not comedic or entertaining. This was a lot of fun. I Jury, a lot of time. Jury's still out on both, but that's great. Yeah, yeah. More on you my end than yours. You can follow uh, the List Night podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, um, at List Night on Twitter, at list.night on Instagram, and just search for the List Night podcast on YouTube. That's one that I do with three two buddies that I grew up with. Uh, episodes every other week. Fair. episodes at least at least once a month we'll say we, we we try and put them out when we can you know life gets in the way a little bit um but you know we're just we're here to entertain people i like starting different podcasts clearly i like entertaining people and i like talking basketball so what was so the most recent
1: what was the most recent topic on Night?
0: Uh, the most recent topic on list night was best sequels. And let me tell you, I went in a weird direction with it. So oh, okay. I hope that you will tune in and listen. I, it
1: is queued up. I, I I very much enjoyed the most recent one before that. So I, I like waiting until I have like a one hour car ride tomorrow morning to just bang the whole thing out at once. So that's my plan. Uh,
0: you I will tell you this. I, I will give you a, a little bit of a warning. You might be less interested in being friends with me. After this next episode, I like to think it was. I'm glad we did this first then. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there were, there were some scorcher takes. I like to, I like to cause a little bit of controversy.
1: That's huge. Uh, We'll, we'll do a movie, uh, kind of rebuttal episode here at some point next time I have you on the show. We'll, we'll talk a little bit, uh, maybe, um, trilogies or something instead. Just love that.
0: Very into that. Yes. That sounds excellent.
1: Cool. Uh, Griffin, thank you so much, man. This was so much fun.
0: Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm going to listen to this
1: episode and all the ones that come after. Love it, man. All right. Everybody, as always, we're presented by betonline.ag. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will catch you next week.